0: Now today on the show we have near death experiencer Tyler Deal, and Tyler died in a tragic mountain biking crash, but then was taken into the inner quantum world of nature, talking to trees, plants, seeing Mother Nature in general. It is a really fascinating conversation. So let's dive in. I like to welcome to the show Tyler Deal. Hey, doing, Tyler?
1: i'm doing well thank you how are you alex
0: i'm doing very well my friend thank you so much for coming on the show and and sharing your your journey with all of us uh so my very first question to you my friend is what was your life like prior to your near-death experience
1: um well i was fairly depressed person i would say i mean uh, as a kid in the younger years i was i was happy um, I, I felt like I was very connected to nature and I had a sensitivity that was, I looked at as just natural as a kid. And then as I got older, um, well, our family had moved to another state. And then as I got older, um, I began to experience a lot of emotional pain that I didn't want to look at. And so I had suppressed that pain. And through my teenage years, I went back to California for um, college. and. It seemed like all of that suppressed uh, sadness um, was resurfaced, basically. And so at that time, um, I didn't want to look at it, but I had my own way of coping, which was to go into do mountain biking and to go into the forest. And the forest became, uh, the trees became my friends, and mm-hmm. the forest became my sanctuary. So that's how I coped. However, um, there was still that pressure, that was still that imminent pressure of not being able to look at uh, at myself. And I felt like there was something wrong with me. And that became kind of an internal dialogue, basically. There's something wrong with me, there's something wrong with me. And it got so bad that I started to have a conversation with God, with the divine saying, I don't wanna be here anymore, please take me. Um, It's too rough, Um, please take me. And that led up to my near death experience um, i was it was the end of my second year of college, and i um, I was looking for a job. I felt very disconnected from people. I felt like nobody liked me, of course, it was a reflection of of how I was feeling inside you know i I felt You know, you when you're feeling this pain, you feel like you're the only one on the planet that's experiencing. (laughs) Yeah. And that and, you know, little did I know at the time that there's always somebody that's suffering more than you or going through a harder time than you, wherever that may be in the world. I didn't know that then. I just felt like this is, you know, this is my world. This is my pain.
0: Yeah, so before before you continue, I wanted to ask you uh, because I think it's it's, it's a, something to really kind of dig into a little bit because so many of us do this. When you were having these internal conversations, the the kind of spiraling that you were doing was all self inflicted, um based on pain that you've dealt with when you were younger. It was just kind of this this conversation that ego the egoic mind. Was just telling you these stories in your head, and you just kind of started, kind of like spiral more and more because of these conversations, these kind of toxic conversations you were having with yourself.
1: I believe that's part of it, but I also believe it had to do with some of the traumatic experiences that I was dealing with as a child that mm-hmm. I didn't want to look at. So it was actually
2: mm-hmm.
1: any of the trauma that I had experienced. I felt, and I didn't. Again, I didn't know this at the time. Was was in a- and um, and it was reflected, I guess you could say, psychologically or from the egoic mind, um, and so it was a culmination of the two. But it still was, it's still one and the same if you look if you look at it. Of course, um, of course. Yeah. So
0: so then tell me so tell me what happened the day of your near death experience? How did you get to that
2: place?
1: So I just finished a semester. I was, I was biking around town, little town in Northern California, and I was at that point, it was like, take me, <laughs> take me, God, I can't do this, I don't want to be here. And so about four days later, I went to the forest mountain biking like I had always done. And um, so, you know, it was just another day of being depressed, but also at the same time finding, trying to find that peace and being with, with the trees. And so, so I went to the forest it it was morning time. It was, you know, kind of that June gloom in California. There was that mist that was coming by. It was in May and, um, and then it was clearing. It was starting to clear and I was, I was probably there for a couple hours. And then I started to head back down towards town because there's the, the community forest was very close to, to the little town and to the college where I was attending. So I was familiar with all the trails, and I took a trail that was parallel to one of the roads, and um, started to hit the jumps. I never wore a helmet. I didn't think it was a cool thing to do. Really, I mean, because I wasn't an extreme mountain biker. You know, you're mm-hmm. you're 20 year old kid. You're just like I'm. I'm going to do it. You know, I'm invincible, right? So, um, so I take the jumps like I always had, and then the very last jump that I took, it, I noticed that it had been built up incredibly. I mean, I was familiar with it on past days, but somebody had built it up. But by that time, it was too late for me. I took that jump. And I knew once I was in the air that this was the moment, basically that, that God had given me, it was like a quick knowing, oh, I'm dead. (laughs) So I came down on my front tire, bam, handlebars, head, neck, and my body was slapped onto the earth. And then I was completely out at that time. I mean, there might have been a moment where, where I felt just a little bit of pain, but it was like, I wasn't going there, I was out. So the next moment of what I had remembered is I was floating above the redwood trees. Um, I can't say it was like a an astral body prote- projection. I don't, I know some of your viewers might know what that is, but mm-hmm. um, it was more so. I was just—it was just like my consciousness, my beingness, um, and I was. It was a moment where everything became quiet. There was a silence, and yet I was very, um, very sensitized to the elements around me, and I could feel, for example, the wind blowing through through me. I could feel, I could hear birds, and I could hear dogs miles away, although it, it sounded like they were right there in my ears barking or chirping. Um, I could see an incredible amount of detail. I could see the detail of like the crystals on the redwood needles of the trees. Um, I could hear the ocean, which was several miles away. Um, and again, there was this incredible amount of peace. And I was like, okay, well, here I am. <laughs> but there was a familiarity in this space. It was like, this is who I am. I knew who I was at this place. And I didn't know who I was. I really didn't know who I was at all in that body who was so depressed. So let's see. It's, it's, when I tell the story, it's interesting because it's like there's all these moments in time but it's not like time was real was real at all and so i looked down and i saw my body and i saw me all curled up on the ground there in the redwood forest and i was like okay that's not really who i am and i and i began to kind of enjoy the space of this peace, incredible amount of peace where i was
0: we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor and now back to
2: the show
1: and at that moment or at some moment there was a question that bubbled up inside me it was like it wasn't like hearing a voice Um, I never saw any beings or um, angels during this experience it was more of the presence of nature more than anything but there was this uh direct question that came do you want to go further or do you want to go back? And I said, I don't want to die. And as soon as I said I don't want to die, <laughs> I was slammed back into my body. And there was an incredible amount. Like there was a heavy breathing because I know I knew that I must have lost my breath at that time. I was breathing, um, and then I began. As I was breathing, I began to feel the pain, and it was. Uh, Tremendous amount. It was a horrific amount of pain. Um, electrical pain. It was, it was like a numbing, stabbing pain coursing throughout my body. And I'm thinking, I'm not even really thinking. I'm just like, why the hell did I come back, really, basically? As I was experiencing this pain, simultaneously, it began to open my eyes the best that I knew how. Everything was a little bit blurry at that time. and. That's when I began to have this experience with fairies, little fairies, like forest fairies, um, coming down from the trees. They were dive bombing me. They were giggling. They were moving around me. So they were like basically like my little angels. And um, I believe that they were bringing lightness, that they were bringing love to my situation, or they were welcoming me back here into this earthly experience. So that was that. Simultaneously, I began to hear this amazing humming sound. It was like it was more than a humming. It was more like a symphony. I explain it as the, the best way I know how to explain it is like a Tibetan singing bowl um, where it's ringing this piece. And I knew it was from the trees. And I could feel this vibration coming into my body. And I believe that the trees at that time were healing me. They were, mm-hmm. they were sending that energy down and healing me. So this simultaneously, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of like, what's going on? And then I kind of brought my attention back with my breath. And that's when I felt the pain again. And as soon as I started to feel that tremendous amount of pain, it's like I didn't something happened where I didn't want to go there. And I completely um, I was out again. I was my consciousness went out. So (laughs) the next thing I remember, I was woken up in the hospital by the doctor who was asking me a series of questions. Uh, First thing I heard was, you're very lucky. You're very lucky. You're very lucky. You didn't die you didn't break any bones you're very lucky and so and then he began to ask me questions you know what's your name i didn't know my name you know what town are you where are you i didn't know any of these things at all and he finally he asked me one question he says do you know any phone number and i blurted out a phone number that from a family friend in town it just came out and so um, I was released that day, actually that evening from the hospital. I was given some pain medication. I, was, I went to my family friends. However, I was still experiencing a tremendous amount of pain, even though I was taking these meds. And so I stayed there for about a week because the doctor wanted me to rest. And so I stayed there for about a week before my mom uh, flew down and picked me up. And I went back up to Washington State.
2: All right, so
0: before we continue, I want to kind of go back a little bit and, and dive into the actual experience. I have probably interviewed probably 50 or so now near-death experiencers. You're the first. This is very unique to me. I haven't heard the nature aspect of things. Um, do you believe that your experience, when you were seeing fairies or you, when you're hearing this ringing of, from the trees, do you think that was a, you were still kind of in this near-death experience at that point? You were kind of in and out at that time. And this was kind of customized for you because of your affection for the trees and for nature and what that meant to you emotionally.
1: Yeah, I believe it was customized. Absolutely. And I never really thought about that, that I was if I were, was still in my near-death experience by being on the ground because I was kind of in and out experiencing pain and also seeing. The fairies and feeling the trees. So, um, that seems accurate to me that I was still, it wasn't the same experience mm-hmm. as when I was up above floating. Um, but it was, yeah, you could say that it was still within that realm. Yeah. Um, you weren't and, all the way
0: back, but you weren't all the way the other side. You were kind of in this kind of in between, kind of like you're not asleep, you're not awake, you're kind of in that in between state
1: yeah exactly yeah
0: you know that you're not you're just not exactly sleeping you're not exactly awake but it it seems to me as you were telling the story that that made sense because and then the customizable aspect of it because because of your if you would have told me i'm a city boy the first time i've ever been in the the forest and this happened to you this would make no sense to me but because of your affection for and not only affection but the resource that was nature to you, it was a coping mechanism for you to survive in life, essentially.
1: Yeah. And it always has been to some degree. It's, it's, you know, even when I I was in Washington, I would love to go in the mountains and ski, or um, we had a County forest behind us where we had lived. And I was always in the, in the woods. Um, So it it always was a, you, you could call it, I mean, in a way you could call it therapy, but, but it was more than that for me. It felt like, um, and it still does to this day that nature and the trees are my family. Mm-hmm. And um so I think it's reflective of that. And I maybe Alex, it's you probably see this with other near death experiences. It's you know, if you believe in hell, they might go there. If you believe in God, mm-hmm. you might speak to, to God. So, um that, that makes the most sense to me that it would be nature that was there supporting me.
0: Yeah, that from my experience is that whatever the person's beliefs are is kind of how they want to make you feel as comfortable as possible through the transition, through the experience. Is from again, from my experience talking to so many ND ears, and it's really customized. And there has been a couple of guests who've gone to a hell, and then they even said, I created that because that was my belief system that I believed that I had to go through that before I was saved and these kind of things but yours is again very unique I've never heard of the nature aspect of a near death experience before so it's it's fairly fascinating to me um did you i have to ask did you even really think about fairies or anything like that prior to
1: this i mean you're a 20 year old dude i'm imagining that you're not like you know <laughs> I have a ton of fairies all over the place well I, I, there was an experience I had prior, I was, I I was seeing a woman, um, I was in love with this person, and my heart was very open. And I had an experience at one point when I was in her apartment, or in her house, and this was still in the same area, um, where I had my eyes closed. And I had my, I guess you could call it like your third eye vision turned on or your inner vision turned on. And I did see them in clarity. I saw the, I saw those fairies flo- floating around. They weren't making any noises, but I could see like little sparkles within my vision at that time. Um, so that was like my only experience I had about them. I mean, I had read about them prior to that when I was sure. a teenager, you know, and I, but I never really uh, I never really explored it or I never really did any research about it really. Right.
0: You yeah. didn't have t shirts of fairies and didn't have your house of like fairies. It wasn't, a, my point is, it's not a thing that you were like obsessed with or anything like that. It's just like, yeah, I've heard of fairies. Most human beings have heard of fairies or gnomes or, you know, these kind of mythological creatures. But I'm just curious. Like, that was my question is like, was this a major part of your life? Apparently it wasn't. Like you just might have mm-hmm. saw them or you've heard of them and knew what they were like most people do at this, you know, Tinkerbell, we all know what Tinkerbell is essentially. Right. You know, but this, and when you're, when you're going through this, um, I have to imagine you, you went through this trauma of this accident and you go through this near death experience and you've got are back home and you're still in pain. Are you saying to yourself, what just happened and did I see fairies and Were the trees singing to me? How did you process all of this? Because again, you were in this weird in-between space. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Because you weren't on the other side. Because if you were on the other side, 100%, again, from my experience, you understand what's going on. But because you were kind of in this weird in-between space, did you question what you saw what did you
2: go through
1: i didn't so much question what i saw um because i i believed that there and i believed at that time anything was possible sure um and i and i and i think that more so the processing took a while it wasn't immediate i mean i was so focused on my body pain and, and getting sure. well that i wasn't uh like what the hell happened but i was my memory, because I had a, I did have a really bad concussion. So my, my memory um, wasn't all there completely. So it took a while. As I started to get some therapies, it took a while for that memory to start showing me what was, you know, not, you know, first thing was my name, remembering my parents and, and my sibling. The second thing was, and then remember, beginning to remember the actual experience um, that happened. Um, but it wasn't, so much for me, it wasn't so, like, that was, you know, that's so far out there. You know, I, I believe that, oh, yeah, okay, something like that could happen, you know, to anybody.
0: So how long did you uh, hold on to this story before you came out of the, quote-unquote, near-death
1: experience closet? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I told people that I trusted throughout okay. the years, throughout the years. um. I never really felt like just, you know, coming on a show like this and telling anybody until actually last year, I wrote a blog about it. I felt like I needed to write about it. So this is back in 1997 when it actually happened. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, back then, near-death experiences as, you know, yeah, right, so. Not a, th- not a thing, uh,
0: especially not a thing by saying yeah. people, <laughs> apparently, you know, right. it was not accepted at all.
1: And so I began to see, you know, uh, other videos coming out and people sharing their stories. I'm like, okay, well, this will at least give me some kind of avenue or some kind of permission that it is that it is okay to tell it. And um, so it wasn't like, oh, I need, you know, I need everybody to know that there's fairies or I need to be famous or anything like that. I mean, that that's never, you know, um, never been a part of me, but it was more like, it was more personal be able to, I guess in a way, of like just get it out there you know like like talk therapy or just being able to have somebody hear my story so that happened about a year ago
0: i have to ask you why did you feel the urge to have to tell this story because this does you know this opens you up to to ridicule it opens you up to a bunch of things that you know for people listening and i I hear this all the time people are like oh they just want to be famous oh they have a book to sell all they want this, or they that, and, and and I'm going. This is not easy, guys. I I mean I I sit yeah. here and have these conversations with, with with souls who've gone through this, and this is not an easy process, publicly to talk about. And, you know, I had my own struggles just doing this show originally when I first launched it. I can only imagine what it was like for you guys to do what you're doing. So, what drew you to like, you know, what I'm going to put myself out there.
1: I think a lot of it has to do with me having trouble expressing myself throughout the years. I mean, one of my, my one of my creativity avenues has been acting. Um, in the process of you know doing body work and helping people, um, but I and it's true. I mean, I had somebody that I knew um, here on the island. He he wrote me. I think, I don't know, six months ago, or, or I don't know. But he, he basically said, oh, I saw your near-death experience. I thought you were giving an audition. And I was like, okay. So in a way, yeah, there's ridicule, but there's also, you know, people that you've known for years. You're like, who is this guy now? You know, I've, I've, I've shared it with some of my family members that have been very open to it and others have, you know, they don't not talk, talk to me anymore, but they don't, they don't bring it up sure so so yeah you are putting yourself out there and i guess i guess i felt like i just needed to say it i i don't know that's i'm not trying to be too surface level but but sometimes when you're when you're holding stuff in you have to get it out so for me it's always been writing like i love writing Mm -hmm. and um and then and, you know, telling my story throughout the years to to a few people I trusted, and then just saying, "Okay, well, let me just see if there's any reception. You know, I, I don't care if anybody believes me, even if I'm just being completely selfish and doing this for myself i I've, I've got to tell it. You know, like an artist and you're an artist, you just mm-hmm. want to tell your story, right? you you want to get it out there. So, I don't know if you can relate to that or not. I but... can't
0: no, no, i obviously I, I can't completely. and it is um. It's admirable uh, you putting yourself out there the way you have, because it, it is not easy. And I want people listening to understand that, people watching to understand that anytime someone steps up in front of a camera to tell their truth, which is not possibly a popular truth by everybody, it is it takes it takes a certain level of, as they say, cojones um to <laughs> to to put themselves out there because you obviously don't have a a gain out of this. You know, you're not even pushing a book. Not that there's a huge amount of gain in books, by the way. People think you're going to get rich unless your last name is King or Rolling. (laughs) You're not going to really make a lot of money in books. Um, But I just want people to really understand that. Uh, Now, after this, since 97, did you do research on near-death experiences? Did you kind of talk to anybody else about that that had a near death? just try to figure out what happened? Or you were just very comfortable with what had happened and kind of explained it to yourself?
1: I was very comfortable with what happened, not right away. It took some time to get comfortable with it. But then it became it it became an experience that was very sacred to me. And so I didn't want to have it polluted by other people's thoughts and polluted by what other pe- you know other people's opinions. so that's that's part of the reason why I had held on to it for so long. Um I didn't do research. I didn't even really know that people had near-death experiences, I think until later on. And I, I think, um, can't remember what the, the first one I heard. It was way out there. Um, some guy, I, I can't remember somebody, somebody who had done research. He had ne- several near death experiences. I can't remember his name off mm-hmm. the top of my head. And then, um, and so I let it go. And then the first one that I had seen, um, maybe a couple, maybe two or three years ago. And then I started to watch videos. And then there was more people that came out and then there was more people on, um, you know, some people you can tell there, you can feel their authenticity, others, maybe not so much. And so I just kind of, I listened to those, more of those people that I felt, uh, it just felt it resonated with me. I guess you could say that truth resonated with me.
2: Now,
0: when and, you, oh, so let me ask you, when you came back, how did you, how did you change? How did you did your did your point of view on life change? On point of view of your existence change? Any of that?
1: It took a while. It wasn't an overnight, you know, awakening. Oh, everything is beautiful now because I was experiencing so much pain. I became interested in the physical body, and I became interested in how we can self heal our physical body. And I had uh um. It took me about six to nine months because I found this gentleman who is a network chiropractor who, who basically supplied the energy to be able to have my body um, remember its own self-healing mechanism. So when I saw that happening, when I saw that my nervous system started to change and the pain started to subside more and more after every treatment, I became interested in the physical body and how it could heal. At the same time, I was experiencing incredible amount of emotions, internal pain, traumas, everything that I wanted to suppress during before prior my near-death experience. So then I became interested in forms of healing. And as I've been going through that process uh, for many years, then I've, you know, there's been openings within me and I've seen. Um, how important things are, you know how, how important it is to treat other people, to be of service to other people, to treat myself well. Um, so these these aren't some grand big changes in some eyes, but they are very important ones. You know I, I believe that um, being able to to love myself, being able to find ways to to be kinder and um, to other people, um, you know. I don't know. You know, there's, there's a lot of lessons that have come along the way. I don't know if there's anything specific that well, you want to hear. Or We'll be right
2: back after a word from our sponsor.
0: And now back to the show. Well, let me ask you this, because I think we all, everyone who's living has to deal with pain and trauma. Uh, it's kind of part of the package. In one way, shape, yeah. or form. Some bigger, some smaller. But you were, you were suppressing it. Um, and after this event, it was kind of brought up into the light. Not only the physical pain that you went through, but like you were saying, a lot of these things had to come up to the light for you to deal with them. For you to process them. Do you think that this accident was a sort of gift to you
2: in your life?
1: Yeah, I think everything that comes into our lives is a gift, no matter how hard it is, no matter how beautiful it is. And so so finding the gift in any experience, it took me a while to find the gift in that experience. And I believe even just being able to express and write down and, and then tell my story, um, I have discovered more and more that it has been a gift. Looking back, that I did have another chance to be here on this planet That. Did have another chance to um, self heal. So yeah, I think I believe it's a huge gift. I believe it. Everything at this point is is a gift, no matter how hard it is for people or for for me, whoever.
0: And as you've been going through your studies over the years in regards to healing and the body, but I'm assuming during those um, and please correct me if I'm wrong, when you're going through those trainings you've kind of come across more spiritual conversations more spiritual ideas i mean if you go into healing techniques spirituality kind of goes into it have you have your experience and your training over the years opened you up to new ideas in regards to spirituality why we're here karma you know all of these kind of things
1: um yes and no but i i meaning yes, meaning it has opened me up completely to new ideas and um about, you know, why we're here, but then that will change. And I'll be challenged about a certain belief, like, for example, you no, know, we can have the idea of oneness, right, that everything is one, and we're all one, and we're all connected,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is something, something that I hold near and dear to my heart.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: However, just having that idea that everything is one we we're going to have to see the beauty and we're also going to have to see the grotesque so it's not just a concept it's something it's something that that becomes our experience if if we if we if we have the idea that all is one then then you know if we don't like republicans or we don't like democrats for example then we're going to have to see that as one if we don't like the war that's happening mm-hmm. you know we're going to have to see that as part of the one um but i don't know if that makes sense but, it makes, but it, i think it, it's like,
2: yeah it makes perfect sense
1: yeah so if there's a if there's if there's an opening within me if i if i believe that you know for example that we can communicate with trees and i've had experiences where i communicate with the nature world and, and i do to this day um then there might be something that happens like you know a, a tree fall- on my car or or um so so it's like you have to it's like the the highest what I've discovered is your your highest ideals and your highest beliefs about how the world is um will always somewhat challenge you to see if you really believe in what you believe in
2: gotcha so you gotta take the good with the bad
1: yeah yeah but yeah you do but it's 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 more than that i mean sure i see that there's light and dark in the world and good and bad but i also believe that that we're moving into a time where 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 darkness will be eliminated i mean it's it's about the light coming fully into the full spectrum of of this world so um
2: yeah well let me ask you um what was your
0: biggest takeaway from this whole experience. And now apparently the, the experience that keeps on giving because I'm imagining the second you had to come public with this, uh, it was a whole, new set of, a whole new set of lessons and things and challenges you had to overcome. So what's the biggest takeaway
2: from this for you?
1: The biggest takeaway is appreciation. And that's become my prayer. My prayer has become, you know some people say gratitude or appreciation. So that's appreciation for everything. Um, not just the things I want, not just my desires, but appreciation for my, for the people that are in my life, or just the, the tiny little things, you know, my body and, and which isn't, you know, tiny, but um, <laughs> but, but, you know, just just ongoing learning to be in that state of appreciation and gratitude. That's, that's my biggest takeaway, I would say. I have
0: a question that a lot of people ask me all the time, and I'd love to hear your point of view on it, is why do we have hardships in our life? Why do we get challenged so much? Why do we have traumas? Why do we have pain in our lives? If, quote unquote, the God or source has, loves us so much, why do we have to go through that
2: is the question I get asked a lot. I'd love to hear your point of view.
1: I believe, Alex, it's, it could be a number of different things. I think that we're challenged to basically we're we're being challenged to show us more of who we are. Um, and when I say that, the hard times, the pain, the trauma, um, being able to go through that, being able to experience that and face it, is always going to bring more light. It's always going to bring more joy. It's always going to bring more happiness at some point. So no matter what anybody's going through, no matter what I was going through, um, there would be a moment where I would experience an expansion and see, okay, there is joy in this. Why, why does that happen? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I, I think
2: um,
1: I really believe that that we're, we're being challenged, like even today, to be to be of greater help to others and to to help serve others that have gone through similar experiences. And it doesn't have to be the exact same experience, Mm -hmm. but it can be a similar experience and um, being able to serve, to learn how to serve and to learn to be authentic and to be real and to be there for people. So why does that happen? I don't know what the mechanism is. Mm -hmm. I don't have the answers sure you know i'm not i'm not an expert in in that in that regard but but i don't think i have to be because really i mean we're all learning here we're all learning how, what it is to be you know a human in these bodies on earth
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we're all we're all we're all doing the best we can so we, we have to give ourselves a break and just be curious because Life always gets better, and it's always somebody's always experiencing something worse than you are. So,
0: yes, without question. Now, after after the accident, you said you started going into the healing arts. Can you talk a little bit about what the work you do now and how that how your near death experience kind of affected you in the way of going into that work?
1: Yeah, so, me way, basically, it affected me. It made me curious about how the body self heals. So then I began to take massage therapy courses. Um, I took a whole program. I learned various modalities. Um, back in 2000, I had learned, learned quantum healing from one of the first people that actually did that. Mm-hmm. And this was just three years after my near that experience. And she taught a small group of people to learn how to do that. Um, and So it had developed over the years. I had my own practice. I had my own practice in, in LA, and in Florida, a few other places. Um, people began to say, oh, I feel amazing. You know, what are you doing? I'm just like, I'm just doing body work. You know, I'm not doing anything special. So then I began to kind of blend the two, you could say, of quantum healing and, and body work as I was touching people. And it had, it has evolved to where I don't actually physically touch people, but I work with people remotely now. Um, you could call it quantum healing, but I don't like to put a label on it. It's basically looking at where people need to where, And it's not it's not me doing it, I can say I could say that it's basically, yeah, it's them because they're, they're ready to, to make a change. And it's and it's that greater power that that um, wants to help. We'll be right
0: back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show.
1: Um. So, I don't, I don't necessarily like to take credit for it, but people do show up um, when they're ready to make a shift in their lives. Um, maybe you know they're a, a spiritual seeker and they still have stuff going on from their past, and so, so I can see what's going on um inside the body and i can see what's going on around the body and i and the energy is very respectful i could say it's source and it's kind of attuned to this person specifically Mm -hmm. and um if they're ready to have a release in that area whatever that area of a resistance is then they will if they're not if there's still a lesson there then it won't happen but often most often people are ready to have some kind of uh, release, I could, you could say, or, or they're ready to move to another level uh, spiritually. And um, there's a space for that to happen when uh, people come to me.
0: So I'm going to ask a few questions to ask all my guests. Um, what is your definition of living a good life?
1: <laughs> my definition of living a good life is very simple. It's loving acts of deeds. I think living in Hawaii has really taught me that because the people here are so incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, um being grateful for everything no matter what comes into my life and seeing the, the gift. But basically just being able to to serve without expectation, being able to help people. Without without any expectation and just doing it from my heart. That's that I believe is the good life.
2: How do you define God? Um.
1: Again, I don't really know for sure what God is. Um, God could be a she. <laughs> I don't think it's a um, I don't think it's a he or a she, but I understand what you're doing, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah so as as far as my experience and even going back to my near death experience, just this idea that that God is love, God is everywhere, and I know that's that can be kind of mental for people, but honestly. My experience with God is just having a conversation with God and and being able to see that God is in everything, and being also curious and not knowing that I don't know I have all the answers and that and that maybe someday God will reveal Him, Her, itself to everyone in some way, and I hope that happens for everybody.
2: And what is the ultimate purpose of life? Mm. I think
1: it's to be happy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're here for a short time. Very. <laughs> very short time. Yeah. Very,
2: very short
0: time.
1: <laughs> and to find ways to do that.
0: And where can people find out more about the work that you're
2: doing?
1: They can find out. A, I have a YouTube channel, a small little YouTube channel where I just kind of explain things that have helped me in my life. And I also have a website people can go to uh, read a blog. Um, they can sign up for a session. I only take donations um, and that's radicalheartworks.com. So that's basically where I can be found right now.
2: And Tyler, do you have any parting messages for the audience? Um, yeah, just, you know,
1: Find ways to enjoy your life, no matter what you're going through right now. And I don't know what that is for anybody. And I don't claim to be some some know-it-all. But, you know, take care of yourself and take care of the ones you love. And you're already doing the best you can. So you might as well have fun along the way.
2: Oh, that was beautiful.
0: Thank you again so much for sharing your story and for the work that you're doing in the world to help people along this uh, insane journey that we call life so i appreciate you my friend uh-huh.
1: i appreciate you too alex thank you so much for letting me be here i want to thank tyler
0: so much for coming on the show and sharing his story with all of us if you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash two three one